Today on the NoosaCast, we'll be talking with the Miracle League of the Fox Valley, the Challenger Football League that is run through Pop Warner Football. Both of these are for students and players with uh, special needs. And we will also do the Noosa Old Look at New and the Forgotten and Never Forgetting. Now let's get this show on the road. Welcome to the NoosaCast. What is a NoosaCast? It's where we bring local folk stories to life through conversation. Hello, NoosaCast listeners, and welcome to episode 10. And I think this is a special one, Joe. I really like what we're uh, what we did with this episode. We're, we're taking a look at... Um, the Miracle League and the Challenger League, which are both adaptive sports uh, for uh, players with special needs. And I, I, it's really important that we highlight these uh, organizations as well. They've received money to us from Red Smith in the past. And uh, it's, it's just such a neat opportunity. Uh, you're going to hear in the interviews how amazing uh, these two organizations are. 100% agree, Tosh. It's, we've talked about this before. It's one of the things that we want the NoosaCast to do is to get these stories out. And we have a really cool story again, you know, this week. So we, we talked to a couple of different folks, one with the Miracle League, like you mentioned. And for any of you that, that are out there, if you go out to Memorial Park, there's a beautiful baseball field out there that, that's the Miracle yeah. League. Um, they, they're always looking to fundraise. All these groups groups need money, but the opportunity that they're giving these kids to play baseball and and put on that the the type of environment that they're going to explain them I and it's like timber rattler type environment, you know that's super yeah. exciting to give these kids that opportunity and in the Pop Warner Challenger League, Tosh, we have talked to some awesome people that, that we've interviewed. Right. I think this might be my favorite. Mike is a rock star. I love that guy. Yeah, Mike uh, is the inspiration uh, when he was eleven years old. And when you listen to his interview, you're going to notice that he speaks with a device. Uh, he listens and basically, I think he uses his eyes to tell the device what he wants to say. Um, so it's a really cool interview. I mean, very, very passionate about sports. Um, while we we're interviewing him, we saw all of his brewer stuff. Yeah. Uh, I know he had the brewer's game on as well. Uh, but, you know, these, these two the feeling you get when you go to these, I know my son, Will, has been a buddy for Miracle League for the last couple of years. And you go to these events and these games, and it is just the coolest thing is everybody's cheering for everybody. It doesn't matter which team you're on, who you are, uh, who you know. They're cheering for everybody. That's what sports is about. That's what this. That's what it should always be about. You're cheering for the sport. You're cheering for these individuals who are out there. And it's really, really cool to just, I mean, it, it gives you goosebumps when you're sitting there. Absolutely. And just seeing the smiles on everybody's faces. It, it, well, one, Mike has a world-class smile. His, his mom sent me a couple of pictures and, and it, it's the best smile. I even texted his mom this. It's like, it's the best smile I've ever seen in my life. The kid is just beaming. <laughs> but they're playing football. You know, he's, yes, he's in a wheelchair, but he's got a football and, and he's he's being pushed to the end zone. And we asked him this. We, we ask every guest, especially players, just, you know, what's the feel? What's it feel like to play sports? What's it feel like to, you know, just what's that experience from your standpoint? We, we of course, we're, we asked Mike that, too. And it's 
he gets that same feeling that everybody gets, you know, that, that right. you're, you're the man, you know, you're scoring the touchdown. The, the, the crowd is cheering. Yeah. I mean, that, that, you know, we, we get short bursts of those feelings every once in a while, and it's just the most special feeling in the world. And, and you know, Mike gets to feel that every miracle league participant, every challenger league participant gets to feel that feeling. Yeah. And that's, man, that's special because everybody needs to feel that feeling. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So this is a special episode and I was really happy that we were able to put this one together. Um, and we're going to do some plugs for both these organizations as we uh, introduce the, 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 the speakers. Um, but always remember, they're always looking for volunteers. Uh, the Miracle League, if you have been out to Memorial Park and you've seen it, they're, they're putting in a new, a new field. Mm -hmm. uh, they're resurfacing the field this year. Uh, so this next summer, summer of 2024, uh, they will have a new field in place. And it, it is built so that wheelchairs and you know, anybody can use it. And that's what's really neat. And I know that they're working uh, to put a new turf in for the Challenger League as well. Uh, so it's more adaptable and better for, for wheelchairs and every other type of device so that anybody can get out there and play. So please, please think about these organizations. Uh, if you're donating money or donating time and get a hold of them on different Facebooks and their web pages and things like that. And Tosh, you mentioned too the Challenger League when when I was when we were talking about this this interview, and they they had let me know that they're eighty percent fundraised for for the Challenger Field. It's going to be a, a turf. Yeah. If people are familiar with the Pop Warner Fields, they have two great hundred yard grass fields lit with with stands uh, just to the east of that, where usually the teams warm up. They're going to put in a. I believe it's a 60-yard field. It's going to be a full end zone, 50-yard field within with a full end zone, so 60-yard turf field. And it, same Perfect. thing as the Miracle League. You know, they can spin around in their wheelchairs. They can throw the ball. Um, it, it, it's perfect. You know, there'll be access from the parking lot down there. So they're, they're nice. in the home stretch. You, you can, like Tosh said, you, you go to their Facebook page, their websites, you know, just give them a call on the phone, you know. But – the volunteer, right. that the, the time. I mean, all these groups, and especially these two groups, need. Th this is these are one of the best opportunities. I think as a family. I mean, Tash, you you've done it with your kids, but yeah. to do it as a group, spend spend a couple of hours on a Saturday or a Tuesday night in the middle of the summer with your family, giving these kids a great time, and it's you're right. going to get just as much out of it as the kids going to get out of it. So it's it's well worth it. And sometimes I think you even get more. Yeah, I believe because it, yeah. you appreciate the things that you have. So absolutely. yeah, get out there and absolutely get out there and do it. So as we transition a little here, Joe, uh, speaking of turf fields, you got to be on a brand new turf field this week in Ruffin. Yeah. It's down in, uh, we, we talked about it last week, you know, the, um, just the way the, these high school fields are. So our, our, our crew, um, we, we, we were lucky enough to be down in Fond du Lac. So we saw that the new turf field down there. And it's, it seats 3,000 people. The stands are cool, wow. but the, the lights, they're LED lights, which there's some of those around Kimberly's LED, and, and those lights are just incredible. But what made these even more special is now they start to blink. So, you know, strobe, kind of like yep. Lambeau Field does that now, but during the national anthem, they'd turn red. And it was just kind of cool what, what they're doing. You know, I, I heard Chilton, Chilton has the same lighting system. Yeah, I heard that too. Because mm -hmm. they said the colors can flash, and when they score touchdowns, yeah. they'll flash the colors and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, there's a hockey, some of the hockey arenas um, are going to those types of LED lights as well. I know Beaver Dam has it for sure. Beaver Dam is a uh, yellow and green, and 
their lights start flashing yellow and green as the hockey team takes the ice. It's pretty cool. It's it's a neat environment for this for the players for sure. All these, I mean, the video boards and some of these schools now that are coming in. I mean, it's just like we talked about last week. Just the the facilities are just evolving at the high school level. Whether it's an indoor facility, whether these gyms are just. You know, you and I grew up in the old Appleton West Symes gym, you know, the old, yeah. well, I love that place, you know, but that thing was a, a shoebox compared to right. what they play in now, but it's, uh, it's pretty incredible. It, it is, it is, it, it's, it's all that aside, it's pretty darn cool. You know, these, these yeah. lighting systems and just, again, the atmosphere, you know, that, that Fond du Lac game probably had a couple thousand people at the game. It was a good, that's good awesome. high school football game. It was, yeah, that's, that's what we're here for on Friday nights, right? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I got a I got an old one for you, Joe. Not an old one, but this place has been around for a long time, and um, my wife has never been to this greasy burger place. Um, so we went uh, over the weekend to Mims. Oh yeah, in Menasha, yeah. and had a good greasy butter burger. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Sat right at the counter and uh, it, it kind of, you go in there and I tell you what, you don't really feel like you're, it's like a, like a, you know, in Chicago or something like, like that, you know, getting a burger somewhere. The nostalgic lunch counter, right? I mean, it actually has a <laughs> legit lunch, lunch counter. They, I don't know yeah. why those went away. I don't, I don't get that at all. Like downtown Appleton, there's no. Right. Good, there's a lot of great places to have lunch, but there's no place like Absolutely. that where you just hop in. And my dad, I remember my dad talking about that. You know, there, there was a lot of great lunch counters. That's uh, I think the only one that I can, and I, I know there's, there's other ones, but Shriners Diner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know Nida still has yeah. the counters. Yep, they do. The breakfast. And Mary's place, I think has. Mary's place. Has one. Yeah, that's but, right. But the classic down, you're, you're right in, in the fact I, I feel that way too when I go to Mims. You do feel like you're in a big city, like you're you're in the loop, yeah. and you're going to run in and grab a a burger that you need a towel when you're done. But damn, it's good, isn't it? Right. Yeah, and then, you know, I had a had a conversation with the guy sitting next to you, just talking and shooting the crap and stuff. And, yeah. You know, they hear your conversation, they comment, and you know, it's close, it's confined, it's it's cool, it's it's a fun fun thing to do. Yeah. Um. So yeah. What, what did I see? 1957 that opened? I, I think you're right. I know they just changed yeah. ownerships in, in the last year or two. Oh, yeah. um, I think a younger couple keeping the you know, tradition going, but it's right. yeah, I, in places like that. <clears throat> we, we've lost so many of, of those kind of yeah. places. We got to we got to keep them going. It's, it's the, the old butter burger. I know they do it at Culver's and, you know, another <laughs> good one. Remember, it crawls up in Green Bay. That's another, oh, yeah. Another great butter burger. What is the, uh, what's the place in Milwaukee as well? Um, cops. Yes. Yeah. 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 Cops yep, in yep. Milwaukee. <laughs> yep. So you got Krolls in Green Bay, Cops in Milwaukee, Mims in Menasha. So absolutely. Gosh, Check out those combo places. Cops, a little butter burger with oh, a nice custard. <laughs> Come on now. Nice custard. Oh. A little chocolate milkshake. Yes. Oh. Or malt. Yeah. Absolutely. We've covered ice cream previously. I love ice cream. <laughs> Joe, Joe is a connoisseur. There's no doubt about that. A little Cherry Garcia, Joe. Yes, yeah. Fish food, you know. It's all Fish good. Fish food, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's fun. It's fun. You, you, when you go to places like that and kind of you feel like you're somewhere where you're, where you're not just in like little little uh, town of Menasha or the Fox Valley here. I agree. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you got to support those local places. 
And, you know, there's local places that we're not even mentioning in Appleton uh, in Little Chutes and places like that. Nina as well, all over the Fox Valley. Uh, but it's fun to support those local businesses. And um, you never know who you're going to run into, who you're going to talk to. It's it's a fun experience. You and I, not not to steal an idea from another show, but maybe you and I, one episode, will have to do a draft of uh, top little restaurants in, 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 the, in, in, in the Noosa, in the Noosa cast area. There you go. You know? That could be fun. We'll have to we'll have to think about that. One of the for sure. one of the categories can be butter burgers. Well, if you enjoy these conversations and you enjoy uh, the interviews that we have, feel free to tune in and subscribe to any place you get your podcast, whether it's Spotify, whether it's Apple, uh, wherever you get it. Uh, we'd appreciate it. We really hope that uh, we can continue to grow. And uh, as we grow, we grow with you, and we get a bigger audience and um, also remember, Joe said this in the past, email us with suggestions. We're always looking to people to interview because everybody has a story. And we really feel um, we want to get people's stories out there. So please make sure that you're, uh, if you have a suggestion or you have somebody with, you think that we should interview, uh, send us an email. Nusacast at gmail.com. Like Tosh said, we, we love the interaction. Follow us on our social pages. We're on Instagram or X or yeah, Instagram. Twitter, X, whatever it's called now, Facebook. <laughs> we even do some TikToks. We have some pretty cool Bill Walton TikToks. So yeah, it's new cast for, for pretty much all our social handles and engage with us. Tash and I, we, we want to hear from the people. Yeah, absolutely. So we, uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode and uh, we're going to kick it off here and head out to, uh, to hear some great interviews with some great people. All right, NoosaCast listeners, uh, we are going to introduce the um, Miracle League, and you're going to hear an interview uh, with the director of the Miracle League, and she's going to tell us a little bit about what the organization is, but what we really want to do as we introduce this interview is to encourage you to go to Miracle League of the Fox Valley. Uh, their information is actually on the Goodwill website, but it has links to donate, it has links to volunteer. They're always, they take, they have about 350 volunteers that are needed to make the Miracle League run. So we encourage you as you listen to this interview to go out there, volunteer to be a buddy, donate to help them resurface their field and to help bring these special experiences for all of these kids. This is my first season as the program leader, so I'm learning <laughs> lots of things. Oh, great. <laughs> I mean, first awesome. off, the field is absolutely awesome. What a cool, cool field. Yes, absolutely. Did you guys, is that the second time you've had to put turf down, or is that the original turf that's out there? That is the original okay. turf, yes. And the plan is before next season, um, we're going to be doing some field renovations. Okay. So hopefully fall or early spring, that's going to be happening. What type of things have to be done? They're going to be um, doing a field resurfacing is what I was told when I started. Black so. pellets back down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that field originally was built in 2010? 2010, okay. yep. And that field, um, for those of you, those people who uh, might be listening who don't know, it's it's a field that is rubberized. It has turf. Um, so um, wheelchairs and everything. I mean, anything can go on there, right? Yep, absolutely. It's fully accessible. Yep, for kids of all abilities. Located so. at Memorial Park, if, if people don't know. 
Yep. Yep. In Appleton. Do, yes. you, do you have a relation? Obviously, you have a relationship with the city of Appleton. Did they help build build that that field as well? Or I guess how, what, how, what is your relationship with the city? Sure. Yep. Yep. They did help build that field. And so back in um, 2010, when it was built, um, Lisa and Mark Robbins, they were parents, um, their parents of a child um, with autism. And he had played Miracle League in another um, county at the time. And um, that was life-changing for them and their family. And so they wanted to bring the Miracle League to the Fox Valley where they lived. And so they started working with the city of Appleton um, actually back in 2008 um, before the field was built. Nice. Uh, you know, that, that kind of leads into I mean, uh, exactly that, what the what the Robins went through. Could you kind of talk a little bit about what is the experience for, for the athlete, for the kid? What is life-changing oh, sure. for them? I mean, I, I, I can certainly imagine, but uh, if you speak to that a little bit, it would be kind of nice. Yeah, yeah. So as you may be aware already, our um, baseball program um, is um, for children ages 4 to 19 with cognitive and or physical disabilities. And so we give every child a chance to play baseball. Um, so every player that we have is paired with a volunteer buddy. And that buddy is there to not only keep that player safe during the games, um, but also just to build a relationship and kind of friendship throughout the season and support that player um, throughout the season. And that also gives the the parents and the families um, the opportunity to just kind of sit back in the stands and watch their kids play ball. And they're actually, they're playing um, ball. They're swinging the bat. They're running the bases. Yeah. It's yeah. Yes. Yes, it's super fun. The games are really fun and like energetic and it's just the smiles on everyone's faces and it's just they're so fun to watch. I I, I will attest I've been to a few of them uh, with my son being a buddy and it is an event. It is a fantastic experience. Your announcers are doing a great job. Everybody's cheering for everybody. It's just it's such yes. a cool experience. Absolutely. My own son has played in the league for the last seven years, and it's, yeah, we still remember our first game and just how amazing we thought this league was, so. Yeah, get the goosebumps before the game, <laughs> you get that adrenaline going, there's there's no better feeling than that, for yeah. sure. In 2010, I think I saw, um, you started with over under 100 players, but in the last yes. season, yes. how many did you have now? Yes, this last season we had 227 wow. players. So we have, yes, we have grown a lot. And volunteers, I mean, I assume that you always need volunteers. The more volunteers, yes, the better. Yes, always looking. Yes, absolutely. More volunteers. We have lots of volunteer, different types of volunteer positions. Um, this season we had over um, 330 volunteers wow. this season. Yeah, but yeah, always looking for help. Absolutely. And how many nights a week does is the field used at this point? Right now, we use it four That's nights fantastic. a week. We play, um, yep, yeah, we play two games per night, and then four nights a week. Wow. How many? What's a game look like? How many innings do you play, and and uh, how long do they take? They usually take about an hour. We play two innings, and um, the rules are pretty simple. Everyone bats, everyone runs the bases, and then everyone crosses home plates. We um, always end in a tie. There's no outs. And always between our two innings, all the players and buddies and coaches, we all come to the on the field and we all sing. Take oh, you got to love that. Yeah. Yeah. Did they get a chance to argue <laughs> with the umpire? Uh, <laughs> once in a while, usually our announcers will give the pitchers and stuff a hard time. So it's kind of fun. <laughs> and for a, for a family 
looking to get into this. You said they can start at the age of four? Four. Wow. Yeah, we do four up until the age of 19. I, yeah, I was, I was going to say, I remember being at one of the last games of the year and you do special uh, things for the players who are aging out. Yes, yes, we do. Yep. So all of our players at the end of the season receive either a medal or trophy. And then we do this year, we did some special plaques for our retiring players that are that aged out of the, the league this year. That's fantastic. Hey, Jenny, can you talk about your son? You you said he plays in the in the league. What's his, yeah. what's his name? Yeah. What's he? Uh, tell us. Yeah. So my oldest son, Mason, he is 11 and he has played Miracle League for the past seven years. We actually played a year in um, uh, Miracle League of the Lakeshore, which is in Manitowoc before we moved over here. And then we've been in the Fox Valley since then. Um, so once we he's played since he's four and it's just so fun to be able to watch him do something that he loves. And my husband coaches his team for the last few years now. So the whole family. Nice. Family now, does, he go to, does he go to school or what? Yeah. Um, very nice. In elementary. Oh, so obviously the miracle league Fox Valley is part of a bigger program. Um, could you tell a yes. little information about the Miracle League as far as a nationwide program? Sure. Um, from what, um, it, yeah, it's, so the Miracle League is a nationwide program, as you said. Um, I don't know exactly how many Miracle Leagues there are in the country, but there are a lot of Miracle Leagues um, throughout the country. And um, it's the same mission to support kids to play, play baseball. So do you get some support from the national group, or are you kind of really looking for local supports for the Fox Valley, so Fox Valley uh, group. Yep, looking yeah local we local supports throughout the Fox Valley. Okay, is the Miracle League run through Goodwill? Yes, yep. So we are a program of Goodwill. Okay. Yep. So yep. as far as uh, if people were looking to donate and people are looking to help out, um, they can go directly through Goodwill and donate money, donate time, and things like that. Yes, they can go through there. Yep, we have our um our Miracle League of the Fox Valley website, they can go right on there and there's um, options on there like for volunteer positions. Um, we're always looking for sponsors and donors to keep our program running. We definitely rely on all of them to keep it going. And your sponsors look like you, you guys grow your sponsors every year. It looks like you have long time loyal yes. support from a lot of them. Oh yeah, absolutely. We've have um, sponsors that have definitely been sponsoring since the league started back in 2010. Wow. No, that's fantastic. And yes, yeah, you, you can never have too many sponsors. And I'm, you know, you have expenses no, like yeah. everybody else. And yep, absolutely. We, yeah, we have sponsors for, um, you know, our team jerseys, our volunteer t shirts, um, trophies, uh, photography sponsor, lots of, yeah, lots of opportunities. Is there, uh, is, is Miracle League is just baseball? Do they do any other sports? Miracle League, other sports? Just mm -hmm. baseball. Yep. Just baseball. Yep. Is there uh, any reason for that? Was it was the original founder? Do you know? Was he a, a fan of baseball or him, him or her? Or was it? Uh... You know, I'm not sure the reasoning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know why. Why they don't. It's, it's yeah. the great American game. So I, I can understand. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, you mentioned in the spring, you're looking at resurfacing the field. Um, will you be looking for yep. volunteers specifically to help out with that as well? Or is there somebody who comes in and does that for you? Someone that does come in and okay. do that for us. Yep. 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 They have a couple. Yep. That come in and do that for That's us. Good. The season's still going on. We just ended in July. So we play um, June and July. So our season just ended the end of July. Very good. And, and I guess the yeah. athletes, how, how do they find out about the Miracle League? Is it, it's a tight network or do they, 
I, you know, if, if somebody's out there with a disability and wants to play, how do they find you? Sure. We're, we have a Facebook page that we're on um, that we post a lot on. Um, I know um, people hear things just from like their therapists or their schools, um, stuff sure. like that. They I get contact from. Yep. Do the teams, do the, all the teammates, they, they kind of bond and, and. Yes. Yep. Yep. They, and a lot of them all have been playing together yeah. for years. So you try to keep the teams, you know, similar. So they, you know, come back every season and um, back to their same team and um, coaches and. No, that's yeah. fantastic. Oh, what a, what a wonderful group and what a I mean it, it's it's a miracle I, I love the name and it's 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 very true yes yes it's very so, fun um just to think a little bit more about the volunteer side what age do you have to be to volunteer and help out sure so our volunteer position started at age okay. 12 um and yep and so we have different volunteer opportunities um we have buddies um coaches we have team helpers um, umpires, pitchers, um, there's field assistants, um, lots of different, yeah, opportunities, but starting at age, age 12. 12. Yeah, it sounds like it takes a village yeah. to run a game each night. It does. It does. <laughs> it sure does. And it, like I said, I, you know, I've, I've seen my son, Will, and, uh, it's, it is fantastic. I mean, there's so much going on, um, but you guys do a great job of just making it an experience. And that's what I loved about it. It is, it is truly an experience. It's so cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. You've had, I, I was out there one, one year and you had the timber rattlers out there to help out. Do they, do they help yeah. out every year or put on an event? They do. Yeah. This last year, this past season, we had Fang and Whiffer came out to a couple of our games and um, that was super fun. The players loved it. It was such a good time. Yeah. yeah. We absolutely love having them come out to the field. Yeah. So Fang, Fang can light up any crowd. Yes, absolutely. We always do a night of baseball at a Timber Rattlers oh, nice. game. So players and buddies and yeah, volunteers, we all go out to a game and um, they get to have a little parade at the Timber Rattlers um, stadium and before the game and yeah, cheer on the Timber oh, that's Rattlers. That's fantastic. One thing I want to uh, point out as well. I mean, this is these uh, athletes are playing and you have the buddies. The parents aren't necessarily out in the field helping. This is a chance for the parents right. to see their kids play as well and to experience yeah, this whole thing also, right? Yep, absolutely. It's fun to watch the parents too. Yeah, <laughs> the joy that they see when they get to watch their yeah kids play baseball. Yeah, from an outsider and uh, just seeing the smile on everybody's face there. Uh, yes, it's It's definitely. incredible, absolutely incredible. Jenny, do you do um, anything else with, with Goodwill as your primary job, just doing the Miracle League or – just, yep, just program leader yeah, for the Miracle League. That's great. Wow. Yep. Full-time yeah. job. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I've learned a lot. It's been fun. So, <laughs> so what, what do you do now that the season's over and in preparation for next year? Sure. So now, um, now that the season's over, um, just kind of, we have a steering committee that we meet um, monthly just to start, yeah, prepping for next season, um, looking at, you know, what, what changes do we want to make? What, you know, what do we need for the field? prepping for next season um yeah just getting ready our registration opens february okay. 1st so once that opens and it's getting you know forming teams and matching and pairing buddies and i i would assume that to yes. pair 220 <laughs> players with buddies and on teams that's got to be a lot of uh a lot of time in the spring getting that all set. It, it did. It took me a lot of time, especially with my first time doing it. And my my background is I'm a I'm a I'm a nurse, okay. <laughs> so this was all very new to me. But it was super fun. But yeah, it was very time consuming. So, so here's a question then: uh, Your background as a nurse, 
So what made you want to jump into a role like this? (laughs) Uh, Really, my son. Um, That first game that my husband and I went to seven years ago, we both said, how cool would it be to run one of these leagues someday? And yeah, we just thought it was just life changing for ourselves and for our son. And so the opportunity came about and um, yeah, I, here I am. (laughs) (laughs) I love, yeah, that, you know, that's kind of what this podcast is all about is to discover those kind of stories. That's really, really cool. And it helps so many kids for sure. I'm curious, are there some big plans in for next summer with the new field and like big, huge events that are going to surround that opening of the new field? Nothing planned yet, but yes, we hopefully will have something planned. Um, This past season, we did a um, a little bit newer thing with our players. We did an opening yeah. night before the before the game started, and they all could come out, get their jerseys, meet coaches and buddies. Uh, but we had um, Chick Fil A was there <laughs> handing out stuff. Yeah, nice. and we had a face painter and balloon. Wow. And, um, Culver's had donated ice cream to the players, so it was a really fun, fantastic time to kind of kick off our season for the players. You get a quite a big, pretty good crowd out there on, on game nights. Yeah, this year, this was a big crowd this year. Yeah, there was a lot of people that came. So that was uh, yeah. awesome. Well, that's so cool. Um, you know, what we want to do is uh, we want to get the word out to people and let people know uh, to go to the website, um, Miracle League of the Fox Valley, and definitely donate, definitely volunteer. Um, we get word out to these high school kids to come out and and enjoy this, this time with uh, buddies and volunteers as well. So um, we really want, we're going to get your word out. And uh, really uh, make sure that people know what the Miracle League of the Fox Valley is. Great. Thank you so much. Hey, NoosaCast listeners. You can find every episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Please help us grow by subscribing or sharing the NoosaCast or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Our second interview today, we're taking a look at the Challenger League, having a great interview with Mike Hippel and his mom, Sue, and Kurt Dietzen from Fox City's Pop Warner. If you're interested in helping volunteer-wise, maybe make a donation, maybe make a difference in a kid's life, go to Appleton Pop Warner's website, the Challenger League. Sign up, give them a call, shoot them a text, shoot them an email, help them out. In the meantime, enjoy this interview. Thank you for joining us. This is anxious to just meet Mike and just understand what what Mike's all about. Yeah, so Mike communicates with a communication Mm -hmm. device, so it's a little tricky for him to respond to questions on the fly. I asked him some questions, and then he typed up some things. Sure. Hello, and thank you so much for taking the time to interview our group. My name is Mike Hippel, and I am a huge sport fan. I played soccer, wheelchair bowling, baseball, and of course the Challenger League football. I was watching ESPN one morning and they had a story about a football league for children with a disability. And I asked my mom, can we do that? And she said, I don't know. I kept on asking her until one day she said, okay, Mike, I will look into this, but don't get your hopes up. Mom, will you take it from here? 
And that's pretty much the story. Um, Kurt will tell you, anyone that knows Mike knows he's very persistent. <laughs> that's awesome. That's perfect. <laughs> so me being the good mom I am, I ignored him for as long as I could. And when I couldn't ignore him anymore, <laughs> I believe we sent a letter to Kurt with our phone number um, in Pop Warner football. And Kurt had no idea what he was getting himself into, associating <laughs> with the hippos, but he was nice enough to um, talk to us. We went out to the Pop Warner fields. Um, he did some research because actually Challenger football um, developed out east and it was a dad in the New York area that developed it for his son. That is awesome. And, and we're joined with uh, Kurt Dietzen from, from Pop Warner. And I guess, Kurt, do you want to just explain a little bit what, what is the Challenger League? How, how is it associated with, with Pop Warner? What what do you have going on out there? It's, I, I know it's pretty special. Okay. Yeah. So uh, as Sue mentioned, uh, yeah, I met with the hip, Hipples out there and uh, we talked about uh, putting the, the uh, Challenger League together. This was back in 2006. And we uh, checked some other families from Little League Baseball, uh, their challenger program, I believe Nina and a, and a few others that, that Sue and Mike knew. And we, uh, we started out that year with, a, with a, I think, a relatively small group. It was probably about a dozen kids, I think, maybe a little more. We, we did get uh, some of our ideas from, from the league that was out on the East Coast. At that time, I believe there was maybe a handful of challenger programs in the in the country. Well, we started we started that fall, and we we didn't really know what we were we were we were going going to all do. But uh, we took some of the uh, information that we got from that other league, and we started playing games out at out at Plowman Park. And uh, from there, we 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 kind of got a feel for what we could do and what we couldn't do, and brought in volunteers from from uh, the high schools and so forth around the area and so we've we've been uh, kind of continuing on that since uh, 2006 and every every season is a little bit different with uh, different uh, players that come into uh, the program but uh, I don't know that we've changed it a whole lot from uh, those first few years it's and it's worked out and it's worked out great in 2006 we had two games and then the next year we expanded it to four games and after that second year we've expanded it to six games is our season kurt if you could tell me how about how many uh players do you have now well we have this year we have uh 48 kids registered right now wow uh, i would expect they're going to probably get a, a few more that are going to show up in the next a uh, couple of weeks we do start uh, this Saturday after Labor Day, uh, so there's there's definitely a lot of interest in 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 uh, playing the Challenger program. Can you guys explain a little bit like what, what does a game look like? Is it eleven on eleven, eight on eight? Do the do the do the kids get to pick a position they want to play? I mean, I guess the first question really, Sue, is, what's Mike's favorite position? What does he like to play? Do you like? I played football for six seasons, and my favorite thing about playing was I was with my friends and we were doing the same thing as our typical peers were doing. I love to watch the games, to cheer on the players, and to watch them grow up. 
So what we do is we divide into two teams and our players are boys and girls um, with some type of um, special need um, and from ages 6 to 18. So there's a huge age range and there's a huge range in abilities. When Mike was playing, Mike uses a manual wheelchair and he's not able to hang on to the ball. So it really was a family affair. His grandma sewed a little pouch for him so we could slip the football in the pouch and then we could tie the pouch to the front of his wheelchair. Um, and then he'd have a buddy because the game is played with buddies. Um, the buddy would push him into the end zone. But Kurt, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, that we play on a 50-yard field? Yeah, we, we we typically start like on the 40-yard line and we're going uh, to the same end zone and then we and then we switch around and come back. So it's actually similar to what we do with our uh, rookie tackle program and our flag program uh, out, of, out at Plumman uh, right now. Uh, but yeah, we we will start on the on the 40 and and uh, one team will have the ball. Uh, we don't we don't necessarily say that it's going to be a five on five or seven on seven, uh, but we 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 depending on who's at the game that day, we we make sure that everybody's playing. We don't want anyone to sit out and and miss a, a game. As far as uh, we have coaches that are out on the field along with the with the kids and the, and the buddies, the uh, coaches uh, they they huddle up just like any other football team. They call a play. And they, uh, you know, they run the play, or they they do both running and passing, and they'll march the the ball down the field. We usually have a couple of uh, uh, volunteer officials out there, so we are calling the whistles and so forth. So uh, we basically march down the field, and uh, one of the kids will will uh, score, and and we. We tend to put put them in any type of position that they feel comfortable with. So they can be they can be a center, they can be a quarterback, a running back, a receiver, and we try to shift them around so they get a, an opportunity to try all those. But sure. they they definitely love just like any other kid. They love to score. Yes, and they and some of them really do uh, some uh, some creative touchdown touchdown dances after the after they score. But they they definitely <laughs> love to. To store just like any 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 other kid out there. So I was thinking that was going to be my next question for Mike was does uh, does Mike and his buddy have a have a touchdown dance? My favorite he was running back. So his favorite position was running back. Oh, and nice. I say, Mike, um, do you have a favorite touchdown? I mean, the touchdown dances were all different, okay. weren't they? Yeah. Yeah, you guys are just really creative. Um, the. The kids do age out at 18, so Mike is an old man here at 28, so he's what we refer to as the football commissioner now. He's on the sidelines, meeting with the parents, meeting with the players, yeah. <laughs> um, and um, kind of the face. You know, we see people out in the community, yeah. and My. Mike, are we going to do sure. football again this year? <laughs> That's terrific. So if I'm understanding the story correctly, the, the inspiration and, and the main reason for the Challenger League is is Mike, correct? It is. It is. I think Mike is I think Mike is a key guy to, to bring this together. And we love that Mike has been been with us uh, since 2006. Both him and who are there every 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 week. Wow. So it sounds like both of you guys. And we, we brought it. 
Warner's attention, Pop Warner ran with it. You know, if they wouldn't have said yes, we wouldn't have had a league. So really, all, all, the, all the credit goes to Kurt and Pop Warner. My, my best friend. We love that, that we have a long time. We have to have the face of football. So we have, you know, we have, we have actually some, some uh, other players that come back and help out as a official or, uh, you know, other things at times. So, so that's kind of a, a nice thing to see uh, those former players come back and be part of the program. That Saturday experience out there is really second to none, but I know you guys have, I, I mean, you're, I think you're almost 80% of the way for your fundraising for a challenger field out there, correct? That's, that's correct. We, I, I don't know, Mike is, Mike is, I, yeah. my brother and my best friend were my favorite helpers. I tease, the only player we ever dumped was Mike's brother, Doug, dumped Mike in his wheelchair once. Otherwise, we've had a pretty safe run. Sounds like a typical brother, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it kind of does. Was that on purpose? or? <laughs> yeah. You think it was on purpose? Oh, poor Doug, he's not here to defend himself. <laughs> yeah. uh, can you tell us, Kurt, a little bit about what, what is planned for the, for the project? We have a lot of uh, football going on out there. But we, uh, in the in the past, and, and you know that, Joe, we from from Apple and Pop Warner and Fox Valley Pop Warner, we played in uh, other fields around the area, high schools, middle schools, and so forth. And uh, when we started out in uh, Plowman in 2003, you know, one of the purposes was to bring everybody together to play in one location. And when we uh, then when we started playing, we actually started playing challenger games at other fields. We were playing at uh, some of the area middle schools. Uh, we played at the Bonta Bowl for, for some games. We played at Appleton West. Uh, although it's it's nice that we had those opportunities to play in other locations, uh, we wanted to try to bring them back to play in the same location that all the rest of the players are playing. And so uh, so we have brought that back and we are we are currently trying to uh, build a challenger field out at Plowman and uh, and that goal would be to have all our all our players at one location so that kids can be part of the challenger league but they're also part of you know the, our entire league and they're included in in all you know all the things we do out there I think it's, you know, although it, it sometimes seems like there's an awful lot of people out there to, to work through. Right. I think it's just uh, really nice to have the kids out there be part of the whole program and have uh, other kids cheer for them and them cheer for the other kids. So that atmosphere out there on yeah. a Saturday, it's, it's truly it's 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 a college. It's like I mean, it's it's a special yeah. experience. You're, you're looking to put in a, a six yard or a 50 yard with the end zone and six yard turf field and. I would imagine that's certainly going to make the Challenger League much, much better and much easier um, for the kids to play. Yeah, we're, we're looking at a 60-yard field, and, and it's definitely going to be uh, much improved for kids with mobility problems, uh, those in wheelchairs or, or races and so forth. But uh, it will be a lot nicer field, and it will be safer for all the players. Yeah, we had uh, Fields and Myron partner for the uh, naming rights for the field, we had uh, the Green Bay Packers 
uh, and we're kind of our lead uh, uh, major donor. And uh, and then we also have uh, uh, a Nelson Fund family. So we have a, a number of large donors, but we also have uh, other donors that that uh, are all contributing to this project. So we're hoping that uh, we can go ahead with that uh, next spring. So we'll have uh, numbers in uh, here probably in October, and and hopefully we'll be able to make that call i guess at that time i had one question we had miracle league on and they talked about the number of volunteers that are needed to put a program like that on how many volunteers do you have are you still looking for volunteers yeah we are looking we are always looking for volunteers and with the you know with the numbers growing the need is higher so sue has been uh reaching out this year to uh, some of the area high schools so we have a uh, a few of them on board to help out at the game. So we have high school players that are actually Great. going to be participating. You know, we do have parents or other family members that are that are volunteers as well. But we're you know, we're we're hoping this year that we get more uh, help from the uh, yeah. high school program. So the we've we've had them in the past, and and the kids that come there, I think they they benefit. From Absolutely. being part, of, you know, being part of the program, being involved here. Sue, uh, other than being the commissioner of, of the Challenger League, which I know is a full time job, what what else does does Mike enjoy doing? Is he a fan of the Packers? Uh, it looks like perhaps the Brewers. Looking at your your room that you're in, what uh, what does Mike all like? Um, he's a big um, Brewer fan, um, Badger fan. Um, we also belong to a service organization called Kiwanis, and actually our Kiwanis Club donated a thousand dollars in Mike's honor um, to help with the cost of the. Thing. I love that we are playing out there because they see in public like. Yeah, and we just both wanted to comment as far as it's really important for other families. It's important for other kids to see their fellow classmates with varying needs just out there on the field, too. And I think it really means a lot. I love that we are playing out there because they see in public like anyone else. Yep, they're seen in public like anyone else. Yeah. That's huge. That's awesome. That, that's the power of the Challenger League for sure. And like Eric uh, said, we we, uh, we we talked to the Miracle League, and they, they are doing similar things with the sport of baseball. And it's absolutely, that's so terrific for the kids. And it's just a way for them to compete and be out in public, right? right? Yeah, so if anyone has a lead on more volunteers, um, like Kirk said, we do have some games covered, but not all of them. Feel free to give out my email address um, as a contact for volunteers. No, we will. So it'd be better for uh, for them to email you for volunteers instead of going through Pop Warner? We, we, also, we also have a, a Facebook page for the Challenger League. Okay. But yeah, either either way, we'll we'll uh, we'll get it we'll get up to the to the right spot at the right time. Yeah, All right. basically, it's a two-hour commitment on a Saturday. The biggest challenge yeah. is finding parking because <laughs> um, yeah. it is a big, busy place, and we always tell our volunteers that uh, you know, bring a friend in carpool um, because it is a busy place. Well, that is great. Yeah, is Mike have anything else that he wants to wants to get off his chest? Um, he's working on something, you know. That's, that's, no. <laughs> okay. Oh. All right. 
Well, I, we really appreciate the fact, you know, we want to try to get awareness out for the Challenger League. And we're hoping through this podcast that we can get you more volunteers and maybe get you some more donors for the field as well. Um, it's a great story and um, such a such a great thing that you do for uh, for these players. Um, really appreciate everything that that all of you do to have a program like this in the Fox Valley. And again, we couldn't do it without the players' families. They bring them they to the They don't need to know about football. And the, Yes, and the volunteers, they don't need to know anything about football. All, <laughs> Perfect. All they need to um, want is to have, to have a great time. It certainly is a great time. Well, Mike, I like to have a great time. Well, thank you guys so much. We appreciate your time. And uh, the Brewers won, Mike, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, got a little scary there in that one inning. <laughs> It did. <laughs> All right, NoosaCast listeners, here is a nice segment where we take a look at history, whether it's Northeast Wisconsin, the United States, the world. Uh, we always want to take a little bit look and uh, see what's happening. Uh, so this is the old look at new. And I, I have one that dates back to September 8th, all the way back to 1900, Joe. Wow, nice. And this is when a hurricane hit Galveston, Texas, killing over 8,000 people. Wow. 120 mile per hour winds. Uh, it made it the, at the time, I don't know, I think it's still at the, I think it still is the worst natural disaster in US history. Um, the, the hurricane and the tidal wave, it was a tidal surge actually. Um, that followed destroyed over 2,500 buildings wow. and killed 8,000 people. Really was one of the reasons why um, we have such a well-developed hurricane system now where we have our warnings and our watches and things like that because there wasn't a lot. I mean, it was 1900. You know, we didn't really know a lot. We couldn't warn people. Um, so pretty bad hurricane, obviously. Yeah. I would imagine that probably came out of nowhere for them too in 1900. Yeah. I didn't have the technology that we do now. Unfortunately, it takes disasters to improve technology. You see that in airplane crashes, car crashes, things like yeah. that. You don't, you don't like to see it happen, but at least they do find some good and, and keep advancing. So right. hopefully the devastation isn't quite as bad. We just oh. had that major hurricane hit Florida. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, luckily we do have that warning system out so people could be covered. And, uh, you know, we, we didn't, I think I haven't heard that there are any deaths, but there's obviously lots of destruction, lots of flooding. Um, Cedar key, uh, was really flooded out. Uh, so, you know, hearts go out to the people who are in that area as well. Right. But, and, and, you know, it is hurricane season right now and we have lots of, uh, tropical disturbances and stuff kicking up throughout, uh, that Atlantic region. So we uh, always keep an eye, you know, being an earth science teacher, uh, weather is one of those things. And I always look at the weather every single day with the students and yeah. we take a look at some of those hurricanes and different things like that, try to track them and try to, you know, look at our own weather as well. Try to get sure. people, try to get the kids to observe some things. So yeah, all the way back in 1900, September 8th. Keep me in the Midwest, Tosh. I like the weather here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't want to dodge any hurricanes. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> Maybe a tornado here and there, but but we're good. <laughs> what do you got, Joe? Well, being, you know, like I said earlier, you and I, are, we're recording this on Labor Day weekend. And, and with that, for me, has always been the U.S. tennis open. I I, I love tennis. I, I, yeah. I'm not a player of tennis, but 
to me, I've always loved watching the, the U.S. Open, and I'm sitting in the Davenport today watching the game and thinking, you know, I wonder if anybody from Appleton or this area has, has ever played in the U.S. Open. And, and of course, right away, I, I didn't take long in the memory jogged the Whitlingers, if, if you remember. Oh, yeah. Whitlingers sisters. And, and they actually, yep. I, I spent a little bit of time looking them up. So there, if, if for those of you that don't know, it's the Whitlingers are a, a famous family in Nina. And in fact, they're the I would say the ambassadors of the state of Wisconsin for for tennis and high school tennis. Nina yeah. High School is regularly the <clears throat> the number one tennis program in the state. Yeah, still one of the top top programs for sure. Yeah, definitely. And you know they have a big staple out of the Fox City's uh, racket club. I, I know um, you know there's Whitlingers all over out, out there as well. And it, it started with with Warren Whitlinger was was um, you know he came to the area in the early 1900s, but through the generations, they, they were just a very, very athletic family and, and really focused on tennis. And I had forgotten this, but on Doty Island, there is a, it's, it's hidden. Everybody that's familiar with that, it's basically a residential Island. Um, mm -hmm. People live there and, and there's this barn that's, that's, I've, I've oh, been yeah. by it a few times and yep. I don't know if you've seen it, but that that's where the Whitlinger sisters, Tammy and Terry, their their brother John, they all all of they were they were professional tennis players, and that's where they learned to play yeah. in this barn. And I, I look back on an article, and, and Tammy recalls that they 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 played in there year round. So even in the even in the winter, it's basically right on Lake Winnebago. She said they'd have to warm up in jackets for ten minutes, you know, to, to get warm in the winter, and then slowly shed layers, <laughs> and, and then they could play. But Anyway, getting back to my my original old look at new, in fact, Tammy uh, played in, in 19, she qualified, made the U.S. Open in 1989. Um, and in 1996, she both of those years, she made it to the third round in the singles. Okay. Uh, Terry, uh, her sister, uh, I don't believe played singles, but but her and Tammy teamed up in doubles. So doubles, they, yeah. yeah. So in 1990, I believe they made their debut and in 91, um, they made it to the third round in, in doubles. Oh, wow. So yeah, pretty cool. So we that is cool. Right from Nina, Wisconsin, we we've we've had some representation in Flushing Meadows, and uh, I thought that's kind of cool. That, that is um, cool. Yeah, I believe that, their uh, their dad was a longtime coach at Nina High School as well. Yeah, I, so, you and I should probably yeah. maybe put that on our list of somebody to try to try to track down a Whitlinger because there's way too much to talk about in this segment about yeah, that there's family. There's a, a lot of history with that family of tennis. So yeah, it's yeah that's awesome. That's very cool. So yeah, that's our uh, little old look at new from a couple of different perspectives. So it's, yeah. oh, gosh, I like this segment. It's always, it's always good to learn history. History is a good subject. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things where, you know, you, you learn from history, right? You Absolutely. learn from mistakes. You learn from things that went right. Uh, just like John Belushi said in Animal House, when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor in his speech, <laughs> you know, you have to learn a little bit from history. That's right. That's right. It's it's Herbie Hancock, right? He's he's the president. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Tommy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was good, and uh, we hope you enjoy all the all the things that we put together here for you, and uh, continue listening. Right, newscast listeners. Uh, here is that uh, throwback clip. Uh, this year we're going with all the way back to 1997. 
Tosh, that might have been, at least from a, maybe not quite from a lineup standpoint, from, but from an all-time fun personal time, 97 was tough to beat with Bobby Hall, Lynn Swan, right. Pat Richter. Uh, we, we had, we won't get into it on this show, but let's just say we had some fun that night. Absolutely. We learned what old-time hockey was about. We, so. we definitely <laughs> did. We definitely did. But that's not why we're here. We, you right. know, Lynn Swan is our throwback. And Howard Cosell you know, described him as maybe the most perfect wide receiver of his time. And if anybody remembered Howard Cosell, you certainly have to be a little bit older to remember him. He didn't hand out compliments um, freely. He, he, uh, he, he meant what he said. And Lynn Swan, to me, he, he was probably, I was trying to think of this, I think Tash, he was probably the first real wide receiver that I remember. Like when you think of a long, lean wide receiver that's graceful on the field, yeah. Lynn Swan's like that that first guy that kind of remember, at least in my childhood. Yeah, and I, I remember him being graceful, being acrobatic, just a body control alone. Was, yeah. He was that type of receiver. He wasn't the, you know, the strong, burly. He was graceful out there. Yeah. You know, we talked to, in an earlier podcast, we talked with Maddie Wanamaker, who's who's with the U.S. rowing team. Shout out Maddie, who's rowing actually right now uh, on, on their way to Paris. But she, we talked about ballet, and we, we specifically brought up Lynn Swan because I remember, again, Lynn Swan taking ballet, and that certainly helped, you know, tiptoeing down the sidelines. Maddie talked about using ballet. Yep. It's very athletic and and. There's no question that that was an influence on on Lynn Swan's skills. He was incredible. Yeah, I think he was one of the first receivers too. I mean, I, after him, you saw other receivers who got involved with different types of dance to try to improve their footwork and their balance and their coordination. As you'll find out, I mean, he's just one of those guys that that like some of these throwbacks we've had, they just had that it. They know how to speak. And Lynn Swan, of course, after a Hall of Fame playing career, went on to do tons of things. I mean, he was on TV. He did a lot of broadcasting. We can still right. find him on TV. The guy is just flat out polished. And yeah, his his speech is 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 terrific. And that night in 1997, I remember this well. Lynn Swan came to the Red Smith Banquet because of the Boys and Girls Club. Now. If you listen to our podcast, you've heard some incredible stories about what we're doing here in Appleton or what groups are doing in Appleton with the Miracle League and the Challenger League. And Lynn Swan came up here because of the Boys and Girls Club, another fantastic club uh, that was influential in his life. It, it, he talks about that in, in, in the throwback. And without the Boys and Girls Club, you know, we, we would never probably hear of Lynn Swan. So, and, and the Boys and Girls Club of the Fox Valley just celebrated their 25th anniversary as well i believe right With right Merrill and the new built the building uh downtown appleton so absolutely absolutely so just like we said with the other groups the miracle league and the challenger league boys and Gir girls club they definitely need volunteers as well but in the meantime tash let's have a little fun and go back to 1997 and listen to lynn swan yeah and if you enjoy this remember this is just a clip you can always catch the full interview on our YouTube channel, uh, go to that and uh, you'll see the full Lin Swan uh, video and uh, of his uh, his amazing speech that night. So go check Absolutely. that on YouTube, subscribe so you can see all of our throwbacks every single week. Yeah, check out our channel because we have we have Bill Walton, Leroy Butler, uh, Goose Gossage. We have tons of really cool people that uh, have graced the Red Smith Banquet. So check that out. And like Tosh said, please, please, please like, subscribe, share.
Brad Smith Sports Awards. Banquet Throwback. The Red Smith Award, of course, goes to someone who has made some unique contributions to sport in Wisconsin. And also epitomizes the great values that Red Smith exhibited. Let's give a Red Smith welcome. And please welcome Lynn Swan. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, sit down. You guys stand up for anything, don't you? I appreciate it. Thank you very much, Chuck. You read that very well. I'm telling Pat I spent a lot of time working on that, just in case. Pat, congratulations to you, Bobby. It's a pleasure to be here with you. You know, Mr. Nice Guy. Uh, well, I, you know, I mean, I, I didn't know anything about hockey. I always thought he was supposed to be like this tough, mean, hard-nosed guy. Is that true? But you did it. But you did it with a smile. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to all the local award winners, congratulations to the young people. Uh, congratulations to you on your efforts and uh, your outstanding uh, performances. You know, God sent Reggie White to Green Bay. <laughs> Having to come through Chicago to get here, I understand why. <laughs> I guess his son sent me, it just took so long sitting on the runway. Uh, you know, when, when you're a young kid and you're involved in all the programs that uh, this program supports, uh, you receive a lot of benefits you don't even realize you're going to receive. Uh, you're just enjoying it at the moment. So that the, the fact that you raise money for the youth programs is immensely important. You know, as Chuck said, I've worked with big brothers and big sisters for many, many years, and they contacted me and asked me if I would come speak at this dinner. And uh, uh, they had contacted me years in the past, and, and I had not been able to get here. But the work you do is absolutely tremendous. I mean, there is no one way or one vehicle uh, for children to have an experience, to, to realize their dreams. So we all need to work on the variety of resources we have and the variety of events. I mean, I played Pop Warner football for two years. And I couldn't play football. That's right. I was a lousy football player. The only reason why I played is because my older brother, Calvin, older by a year, joined the football team, and my mother told me that I could not join the team. So I snuck out and joined the team anyway. That's right. Youngest of three boys. Mother always wanted a daughter. <laughs> I don't see the humor. So here I am playing Pop Warner football. I can't even make the team. I mean, I, really, I'm really not that good. They gave me the last uniform. I couldn't do anything. You know, they put me on, put me on as a defensive back. I couldn't stop anybody. I ran back some punts. You know, I was just there because my older brother was, you know, was a big guy. He even came back the second year, and they made me a starting wide receiver. 
So I'd gone from nothing to a starting wide receiver. But we didn't throw the football. <laughs> I learned how to block. Oh, we threw it one time. Jumped up, caught a pass. Defensive back caught it at the same time. I was so afraid he was going to take it away. I let go of the football. I grabbed him. I tackled him. Ran over to the side, and the coach says, why'd you do that? I said, because he was bigger than me. <laughs> he says, don't you know if you hang on to the football, it's yours? I said, nope. He goes, well, remember that. I said, okay. I said, next time he throw me a pass, I'll remember that. That was the last pass he threw me for the entire season. <laughs> Didn't stop me. I continued on. Continued on taking my dance lessons because my mother said, my Lynn is going to dance. Play the piano, take home act. I'm a good cook. What are you laughing at? <laughs> my wife loves my cooking. She doesn't like my aprons. They're a little too frilly for her, but <laughs> the food's good. But can you imagine a boy named Lynn? I went to an all-boys Catholic high school. Now, people think that I was born with a great gift of speed, a great leaping ability, this grace in style. You try leaving football practice with a pair of tights, ballet shoes, your name's Lynn. <laughs> and if you can't run fast, jump high, go over a couple of fences, you just don't get there. <laughs> you know? But it was, it was actually fun. I enjoyed it. I went to the University of Southern California. I mean, there was a pattern developing in my life. I was going to football teams that did not throw the football. Went to the University of Southern California. Got down there, and I decided to go there because I felt comfortable, and I thought I was a high school All-American. God, this is great. I'm going I'm to stand down. I'll be a big star down here. There were 35 guys, 35 freshmen that went to USC in 1970. 33 were all Americans. And they were looking at me going, he's a pretty small guy. We're not quite sure about him. I said, but my name is Lynn. <laughs> Remember the big dog theory, you know? We run faster when we're being chased. These guys in college were very, very intense. You know, and we learned a lot of lessons in terms of the intensity and people who cared about you in different ways. Not everybody's going to care about you the way Toby Smith cares about you. You don't want that from everybody. But I had coaches who worked as hard in Pop Warner and Little League that tried to teach us the value and the fun of playing that sport and what it was all about. So that when you got out in a tough situation, there was a lot of pressure. You didn't have to worry about those things. You executed to play the game that you wanted to, you know, and, and you were always on top of it. When I went to the Pittsburgh Steelers, we had a group of guys that were just phenomenal. And of course, you all know Rocky Blair because he's from Appleton, Wisconsin, and a tremendous athlete and player. All right? But these guys were, were so wild and so different. It, it's like you learned from them and you had fun every step of the way. I mean, and, and they weren't all serious. Everybody wants to compare the Pittsburgh Steelers and the old Green Bay Packers. I don't want to compare them. We know in Pittsburgh that we probably would have beaten the Packers, so we don't want to go there. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm old. I don't have to prove it, so it's okay to say those things. Yeah? But we had a bunch of guys who'd relish the game and had fun. I think the way the Packers relish the game and have fun today, the way the players jump in the stands, the way they work hard for the game, the way they appreciate all of your efforts. I mean, for 40 years in Pittsburgh, they never had a championship until 1974 when the Steelers won. And those guys like Joe Green and Elsie Greenwood and Rocky and Franco. And it wasn't that they had the most talent in the world, but they worked pretty hard and enjoyed what they did.
It's, it's amazing. I mean, I'm sitting here looking and, and, and I'm trying to figure out what's going to happen with football for the next 10 years. I'm going to become a head coach. <laughs> I am going to become a head coach. When Mike Holmgren retires and Reggie, what, what, you don't want him to retire, do you? No, no, no. Re Reggie White will probably move here and become the next head coach of uh, Green Bay. No? Reggie told me he was going to move to Green Bay. Said so he's going to live there full time. Said you people are the nicest people in the world. He told me that a year and a half ago at the Pro Bowl in Hawaii. Didn't tell me it was a secret. I'm a reporter. Uh, Al Michaels, uh, let's go down to the sidelines, uh, Lynn Swan. Swanee, what's going on? Well, I got Reggie White here, and Reggie said he's moving to Green Bay, and Reggie's going, <laughs> Tell me anything. It's on national TV. I love it. You know, my mother didn't know anything about football when I was a kid playing football. She didn't want me to play. She protected me. I played against my brother in high school. We had wars and battles. I'm sitting in Pittsburgh one day. At home, the game's over, we lose. I get a phone call from my mother. My mother says, are you sick? I said, what do you mean? She says, are you not feeling well? Do you have a flu? you have a broken back or ribs or something? She said, no, what's wrong? I said, you dropped that pass today. Now, I've never dropped a pass in my entire life. <laughs> I said, what are you talking about? She said, well, you know, you dropped that pass in the third quarter. It was third and eight. You came across the middle? I said, Mom, I don't know what you're talking about. We didn't even drop pass. She said, look, son, it was a split formation. The zone defense rolled it up strong side, <laughs> rotated up strong side. The linebackers blitz. The safety fake coming in, came back. You ran the post in. You ran it a little shallow. Terry threw it high where he normally throws it. You dropped it. I said, Mom, that was... 10, 11 feet in the air, I jumped up and it grazed my fingertips. He goes, so son, if you can touch it, you should catch it. <laughs> I love my mother. She supported us 100% of the time, except when she didn't want me to go out and play Pop Warner football. But that's okay, she got over it. She came to all the games. Matter of fact, when I was playing the San Diego Chargers, my mother was in the stands, handing out pictures of me, wanting everyone to know that I was her son. Signing them, Lynn Swan's mother. I'm proud of my mother, too. She's a wonderful lady. She raised us well. But um, I'd just like to tell you that uh, it's an honor for me to be here. Uh, I'm glad you invited me out so I could come to Appleton, Wisconsin. Uh, I have truly heard remarkable things about your town and the effort you make for the people in the community here. Uh, and so it's a pleasure for, for me to be here. You know, it's always important, uh, not so much, you know, that you win, that you have the greatest successes, but that you participate, uh, that you have a chance to try, that you have a chance to gain some tools to realize your dreams and, and to make some things ha happen. You know, everybody is not going to be a star, everybody's not going to be a hero, uh, but everybody should have the chance to participate and know what it's like to be on the team, uh, to test themselves. And when you give young people that challenge, uh, you can only realize great things for them, for yourselves, and for your community. Uh, so I appreciate all the effort and all the things you do on behalf of your community.
Thank you very much. And by the way, I, I will be signing autographs at the, um, at the silent auction back there for Big Brothers and Big Sisters. It's only $3,000 an autograph. Come on back. Thank you. time for the segment that we always mispronounce. It's the forgotten and never forgetting. I got that right this time, Joe. Giddy up, Tosh. We're getting better. <laughs> we are getting better. Well, I I have, I'm, I'm going to ha- ha- head into this right away. I have a forgotten and uh, my forgotten for this week is the nerves that I get after 23 years of teaching before the first day with kids. Oh, really? It doesn't matter. It always happens. I always sleep terrible the night before. Not that anything bad ever happens. It's just that some reason it's the nerves of starting school that I I get terrible sleep the night before night before we come back. Interesting. Little, little game time nerves, maybe? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a little bit, I guess. Little butterflies. So I, I, I want to keep forgetting those. I want to get some good night's sleep before uh, the first day of school instead of being up every hour and looking at the clock and, oh, it's 12. Oh, it's one. You know, those those nights, yeah, no question, those nights stink and, and you don't sleep <laughs> well. But I think that also means you really like teaching. I've, I've found the nights that, that I have that kind of sleep, it's before whatever. And it yeah. turns out I usually like whatever that event is. So I'm thinking it's because you still like teaching, Tash. Well, it, it could be. I guess we'll see. <laughs> we're, we're, we're into school. When this, when this is released, yeah. everybody will be a few days into school. and uh, Summer's over. Official official end of summer. So school's starting. Kids will be in. Nice hot weather to start the, uh, start the school year, just like it always is. And no looking back now. You know, speaking of speaking of that weather, my my forgotten, and it's not this, but it it, uh, it it should be. I remember those days in elementary school or, you know, junior high with no air conditioning, starting the day when you're starting the school year at ninety right. degree humid. That was that was for sure. So, what do you uh, what yeah. got got for this uh, segment, Joe? Well, it's forgotten, Tosh. It's the roof of my mouth is forgotten. I'll tell you that. I bit into a piece of pizza last <laughs> night, and I'm still feeling the scabs. I. Uh, <laughs> Not frozen pizza. Oh yeah, that's, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Frozen, you know, I got to do what five of those a week, maybe. That's a good, good staple. <laughs> it is a good staple. <laughs> yeah, I was in a bit too much of a hurry, and the steam was coming off of it, and I thought I'll be all right. Bit into it and scorched the living, you know what, out of the roof of my mouth. And uh, yeah, well, you know, it's hotter than the surface of the sun when it comes out of the oven. <laughs> that's so. right. So <laughs> there's a little, little lisp on this end. Uh, it's it's because my my tongue hurts. And <laughs> in the roof of my mouth. So definitely the roof of my mouth is forgotten. That so. is, that's hilarious. And I know Tash were never forgetting. This is, um, well, this is a lot of great memories. You, you and I have a similar one and, and going to have you run with this one because it's, it's kind of near and dear to our heart. It's a big, it was a big part of our life. And, and, you know, we're yeah. talking, it's uh, Jimmy Buffett passing away and I'll, I'll let you run with it. Tash, we had some great times. Well, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, Jimmy Buffett is is big, big part of uh of you know formative years of growing up. Um, I I know I started seeing Jimmy uh, back all the way back in 1987, I believe was the first show I went to, and at that time I remember getting tickets the day before the show. They were reserved seats, and they were like 25 bucks, 
(laughs) So, I mean, that dates a long time ago, but you know, he, I, I think I, I was uh, looking back on, on Sunday, he passed away on September 1st and, um, looking back and I, I, I believe that I went to 25 shows. Nice. So nice. over the course of the years, um, I haven't gone as much recently, you know, with kids and everything else, it gets in the way of stuff, but, um, you know, some great times. I mean, we had, we had some caravans down to Jimmy Buffett during our, during some years, you know, we had 30 people camping out in a guy's backyard, yeah. had, you know, volleyball set up and, um, just some great times. Um, just salt of the earth people. It was like going to a, sh- a dead show. Everybody was friendly. Everybody liked each other. Um, everybody got along. And- There's only a few experiences in, in the, you know, the music side. You mentioned it. I mean, you have, you have deadheads, you have parrot heads. I mean, th- those fish heads right when when you go to those shows i'm sure there's some others that that we're missing but those in particular when you go to those shows yeah the music's great the the venue's great but it's that the parking lot the scene before the the, you know quote shakedown street you know that's yep boy you you, tash tash and i went to uh, tash went to way more shows than i did jimmy buffett but we used to go just about every year to to alpine valley through the through the 90s and we'd right i know this is a kid show but we'd have we may have had a 55 gallon container of wop that you and i were cutting fruit for a few days beforehand but you know that that was jimmy buffett (laughs) that that was that that's that's exactly that's a parent head right you you go to the show with wop you camp out at, at at a farm right next to the parking lot you you're there all day. You're in the sun. Right. You're playing volleyball, football, whatever you're doing, and then you go and and I mean, Jimmy's music is is there's nothing else like that, right? It's island music. It's Jimmy yeah. Buffett music, and it's it, it's his it, own it, style. I mean, yeah. he he single handedly developed a style. Yeah, I mean, you, you think about Jimmy Buffett, and you think about how he took a style and made it into an empire. Yes, and the Margaritavilles, the his retirement communities, you know everything. He wrote books. Yeah, if you and yeah. if you haven't re- haven't read a, uh, read a Jimmy Buffett book, highly recommend. Salty piece of land, pirate looks at at fifty was his yeah. autobiography. Go check that one out for sure. Jimmy Buffett lived a pretty good life, and yeah, uh, no doubt, you know, no doubt about that. Um, some really good tales from Margaritaville it was one of his first ones. Little short stories, so definitely, uh, you know, he he was. He was that uh, that island lifestyle, and uh, just you know, definitely not going to forget his music. And I've been listening to it all week, and uh, will continue to. I mean, it's always been a part part of my heavy rotation. Um, but you know, I, I don't know if people realize what an impact he had had on so many other musicians. And you're going to see all the tributes and everything that comes out. But uh, one that caught my eye was uh, somebody asked Bob Dylan who his favorite songwriters were. And Bob Dylan said Jimmy Buffett. No that way. Every single one of his songs tells a story. Yeah. And uh, so that, that's kind of a, that's a big honor since Bob Dylan was, you know, he, he had the Nobel Peace Prize in poetry, right? The yeah. Nobel Prize of poetry, I should right. say. Right. I mean, yeah. he's, he's, you know, arguably one of the greatest songwriters ever. Songwriters ever. Yeah. So that's a pretty big honor. So that's pretty cool. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's a sad 76 years old. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah, definitely, definitely tugs at the heartstrings a little bit. Yeah, yeah it's I, always sad to see our favorite musicians go and and you know it's the same was with when Jerry died. Yeah, the same type of thing. 
The the great thing though, it, especially with musicians, man, their stuff just lives on forever, right? I mean, Jerry oh, yeah. Garcia is as big as he's ever been, right? And yeah. he's been dead for twenty five years, and Jimmy's Absolutely. gonna he's gonna be the same way. I mean, his music will will never die. It's it's great that how we have access to all all of this yeah absolutely now and, and but his music just it'll stand the test of time it's it's there's always there's never going to be a summer where you're not going to play jimmy buffett and <laughs> you, know, you and i are recording this on labor day weekend you know come monday it's it's labor day yep. you know weekend and and i'm always going to play that song on labor day weekend forever right right absolutely and it was kind of fun watching college football uh yesterday and everybody, every TV station was playing Margaritaville. Yeah, yeah. And at Auburn, the entire stadium sang Margaritaville. So, yeah, lots of cool tributes out there for, yeah. uh, for somebody who was very, very well-deserved. 100% brought so much joy to, to all of us. And, yeah, live on, Jimmy. Live on, yeah, man. absolutely. That's, or fins to the left, fins to the right, right? That's probably a yep. little more appropriate. Yep, bubbles <laughs> up. Bubbles up, Jimmy. <laughs> there it so, goes. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, you know, we're going to end the episode with our own little tribute to Jimmy here and uh, hope you enjoy the show. And if you do, keep listening, keep going to wherever you get your podcasts and uh, continue to uh, help us spread the word. Always a hoot, Tash. You bet. Mother, Mother Ocean, I have heard you call, wanted to say on your waters since I was three feet tall you've seen it all you've seen it all watch the men who rode you switch from sail to steam in your belly you can hold the treasures you have ever seen most of them dream most of them dream yes I am a pirate 200 years too late cannons don't thunder there's nothing to share of grass made enough money to buy Miami but I pissed it away so fast never meant to last never meant to last I have been drunk now for over two weeks passed out and I rallied and I sprung a few but I got to stop wishing Got to go fishing I'm down to rock bottom again Just a few friends Just a few friends Nice to see all of our friends every year Thanks for listening to the NoosaCast. We appreciate your support. If you haven't yet subscribed, please do so and tell a friend. 
A huge thanks to Digstown for all the music in today's episode. Catch a gig or find them on Spotify. Northeastern Wisconsin Sports Advancement is a 501c3 organization. Our mission is to raise money, provide support, and create awareness for youth sports organizations in Northeastern Wisconsin. We do this primarily through the Red Smith Sports Award Banquet and the NoosaCast. Each year, we give back to the community through three initiatives, the Every Kid Plays, the Gives Back Initiative, and scholarships to student-athletes. But I won't wear a frown Feel like I've drowned I'm gonna go check out Peachtree Street somewhere downtown <laughs>